This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. It's good to see you. And how about your world out there, folks? How are your plants doing? Whoa, this lightning really helped. (laughs) I don't know how much lightning you had in your neighborhood, but we had so much. It was unbelievable. In a few minutes, I'm going to be talking about what lightning does to benefit the plant material. But right now, if you have any questions or concerns about your plants, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I noticed as I was walking around yesterday, even in, though it was raining a little bit, um, the daffodils and hyacinths and a lot of the uh, spring flowering bulbs, the rain was so penetrating that a lot of them are kind of weeping over. But I think that was just a matter of uh, uh, the flowers getting kind of bent a little bit, the stem, flower stem getting bent, but they should be uh, pulling themselves back up. I've The ones in my yard did the very same thing, so I'm watching them to see what's going to happen. And it is Saturday morning, and I always start off Saturday morning with the Good Gardening Stroll. And then afterwards, we're going to be talking about what's going on with your trees, your perennials. How about that hillside? Oh, this rain. There was so much erosion. Oh, gosh. Uh, And the mulch. The mulch that was on the hillside that was supposed to stop erosion, now it's all at the bottom. Oh, gosh. Lawn, ground cover, whatever is planted in the outdoors. But also we can step inside and take a look at your tropical world as well. So we can talk about care, routine maintenance, what kind of impact your pets are having on your plant materials, and uh, are there insects out there yet? Should you be pruning yet? Suspicious growth, spots, transplanting, taking cuttings and beyond. I'll share my my knowledge to help you make a good decision But the action you ultimately are going to take is going to be on your shoulder. So just because I say something doesn't mean you have to do it that way. You can do it your way if you've had great success with it. This is your show, by the way, and I appreciate you having me into or inviting me into your plant world. Another very important player is James. He's producing, and that means he pushes all the buttons, answers the phone. So when you call, he just needs your first name, and then he'll put it up on the computer screen. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, 
And besides Saturday morning get-together like we're having, I can come out to your plant world and have an on-site consultation, which I call a walk and talk. Today, after the show, I'm head out, heading out to Dardine Prairie and actually as a home that I did a design for a couple years ago, and they want to have me take a look and see what uh, you know needs to be done. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Email is probably easier. Phones, we get to play tag back and forth or tennis or whatever. But anyway, it's up to you, whatever you want to do. And, oh, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As I was sitting there having breakfast, I thought, hmm, let's see, where haven't I been for a little bit for a while. Oh, I know. I know where I'm going to go. I'm going to head down Chippewa and then go on to Lindenwood and then keep going until I come to Lindenwood Park. Oh, I stepped out of the car and gosh, it's raining again. Come on, give me a break. But it wasn't really too bad. So the rolling hills of this neighborhood, the houses that surround the park are really neat looking houses, various, all obviously brick and uh, just different kinds of architectural styles, and it's kind of great. So as I stepped out and uh, started walking around, I actually parked on Prather and uh, right by, right across kind of from the playground. And then across the way there, there's tennis courts, and the tennis courts remind you, please, tennis only. Don't go out there and try to do anything else. I don't know what else you could do, but... uh, Hmm. Anyway, there's a pavilion there with picnic tables. The birds were singing it, though it was pretty, I mean, it's early and it was still kind of dark. There was a couple different varieties of pines and they were reaching out and hugging the sky. And that was a good contrast and plenty of mature oaks. And then there was uh, some new installations, too, at Mardell and Prather. The ball field on the southwest corner Oh, the infield was almost underwater. It was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, it was back on the back side of the uh, infield is the Sunshine Garden. Benches all along the way offer a chance to sit and re- relax and everything else. Along Pernard, a sign says, do not enter city vehicles only. I don't know if somebody would drive up on the over the curb and go down that pathway. It is a little bit wide, but nobody. I guess there has been problems or they wouldn't have a sign like that. A stone bench on Prather and uh, Mardell. No, it's not Mardell. Mardell's not there. But anyway, says, uh, come on, sit down. Enjoy the daffodils, stones, and trees right here. There's a hockey rink, too, and the hockey rink reminds Hockey only <laughs> this time of year. I don't think so. But anyway, so it was pretty breezy, and uh, the squirrels were starting to run around all over the place. So the sky was lightening up, and I can see now that the breeze has kind of cut down a little bit, but uh, it's not as consistent consistent as it was this morning as well as a drizzle. So 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We'll be we will be back after these messages. We go where you go. Eleven twenty a.m. ninety eight point seven FM KMOX.com. 
two nights ago, the amount of lightning that was striking in our neighborhood was absolutely unbelievable. But everything is vibrantly green. Well, not everything. Let's, t- you know, I mean, the zoysia is still tan, but everything, the ground covers and things like that, they are not only, I mean, they're clean by the rain, but the lightning really did something great. Lightning breaks down, it breaks the nitrogen molecules apart, enabling the atoms to combine with oxygen to form nitrogen, nitrogen oxides. And that dissolves in rain and the false earth. And then what that does is basically feeds your plant material. That's why everything, as I even look out the windows, some of the park areas surrounding us, I mean, the lawn areas are so like, wow, really, really green. And always remember, one of my favorite quotes of all times is from Mark Twain, thunder is good, thunder is impressive, but lightning does the work. So, I mean, those lightning, some of those lightning strikes were unbelievable. So let's head back to, let's just head to the phones for the first caller of the day, and that's going to be Andy. Hi, Andy. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Very good. Listen, uh, we appreciate your service. Uh, over the years, I, we have tried to get rid of the molds in our yard, and we had to finally break down and get a professional. Now that the molds are gone, I need a professional landscaper. Okay, well, go to your favorite garden center and see uh, you know, who they would recommend. I, I've done all of that. None of them want to do the heavy work. They like, they like to spray and uh, and weed, but they don't want to do uh, uh, like filling in the the low spots in my lawn or the ridges and stuff that's left from the uh, mold infestation. <laughs> uh, let me see. I would say maybe go to uh, the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see if they have a list of landscape contractors there. But I still think, you know, try a different garden center because there has to be people out there that are, you know, willing to do that work. Okay. Thank you so much. I sure appreciate you. Sure. My pleasure. And uh, let's go now from Andy's over to Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Hi. I would like to share some perennials from my garden to a friend's garden this spring, Uh, specifically hydrangea plant or two, uh, and Shasta daisies. And I just wondered, when would you recommend that could be done? Well, uh, basically ASAP. Try to get it uh, while, you know, as long as there's, I mean, they're probably the Shasta daisies are showing some growth. Your hydrangea, is it, are the buds opening up as far as the foliage or anything? No, no. I don't believe so. Okay, so this would be a perfect time to do it. Just have her get her spot ready before you dig yours up because you don't want to necessarily take them to her and then her not even be prepared for it. So once she gets her spot ready and then just dig them up and get them over there. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And when she plants a hydrangea, just make sure she plants it higher than the surrounding ground and really even with a Shasta daisy. But uh, with any kind of woody plant material, it's definitely, uh, you know, essential to do. So thank you so much. Yep. Good luck with that. And now let's go to another Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Uh, Mike, I live in St. Louis Hills, and our house, we've got five Nandinos in the front 
and five in the back. The five in the front, I know, are 10 years old. The ones in the back are older, and they look like they're dead. They've never done this before. Usually they get red in the winter, and right. but um, I don't know what to do. I would say just leave them alone. That, okay. It's a result of what happened in uh, like uh, probably mid-fall or something. We had a real severe cold snap for just like one or two days, and a lot of the you know evergreens, which the Nandinas are evergreen, uh, you know, got some major damage to them. But uh, just kind of, you can just look at them, the and maybe check you know a few of the twigs to see if they're still flexible. But uh, they should be okay. It's just the recovery may be not exactly as fast as what you would prefer. Okay, don't cut them back or anything. No, just leave them alone. And then okay. if and then you know once they start leafing out and everything else. If you have any stems coming up out of the ground that don't leaf out at all, you can cut those and cut them as close to the ground as you possibly can. But it sounds like they were you know, vibrant and healthy and everything else, but it was just that cold snap. Yes, I guess it was, and thank you so much. Sure. Bye. Bye. And now, how about Penny's yard? Let's see what's going on with her plant material. Hi, Penny. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, I just... I just have a quick question. Uh, I have a berm, and somehow it got chameleon ivy in it, maybe from one of my other places. And how do I get rid of that? I mean, it's really pretty, but it's taken over my entire berm. <laughs> well, uh, just realize if you get rid of that, then you may have some erosion on your berm. Well, it's pretty flat, the berm. But, okay. I mean, it's like... All around my rose bushes and my wigalia, so I'm afraid to spray it like with Roundup or something. Well, what you can do is just use an herbicide, whether it's Roundup or anything else, and rather than spraying, just uh, have it like in a bowl and then paint it on the areas and just go after it that way. Paint it on okay, the plant so, material, the plant material that you want to get rid of. Right, it's not up yet, but it will be coming. I know. Right. So as soon as you start to see it, then you'll get out there, and it's probably going to take a couple different applications if this is a well-established colony. Yeah, yeah, it's been in there for a while. Oh. So so I just have to do, it won't hurt the rose bushes or anything to put any kind of weed, or, you know, some kind of killer on it? No, not, you know, it really, most of, I mean, obviously, you know, for anybody, any time you're planning on doing an application of an insecticide, herbicide, or anything else, always read the label. But for the most part, they deactivate when they, you know, they're put on the plants that you're trying to get rid of to kill or whatever. But it doesn't, in, let's say, get into the soil, and in, then that wouldn't impact your rose root systems or anything else. Okay, perfect. That's what I'll try. Thank you. All right, great. And now let's head over to Pat's. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mike. Hi. I think one of your previous callers kind of answered some of my questions about the Nandana. I've got the same issue. And what I'm wondering is, should I, like, go down from the top and try snapping off a branch? And if it looks like it's dead, then go ahead and cut that down. I would I'm not seeing yeah. any greenery. Yeah, I would say just wait. You know, they may not leaf out and, you know, for a while. So just be patient, and it's an unfortunate circumstance with that cold weather. But uh, 
don't get too anxious about getting rid of some of the stems or anything because they still may be viable. And you just don't know. And uh, just like I say, if they're not leafed out, I would say probably by mid-June, then that probably, you know, those stems should be cut. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's see what's going on in Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. Good. Well, thank you for taking my call. We have a mature magnolia in our yard, uh, and we've been living here for about 40 years, so the tree is you know, well-developed and all. But I wanted to do some trimming of some low branches this winter, and I don't know, it really never got that cold, I guess, that I felt comfortable going out there and trimming it. But I'm just wondering if it's too late now to trim those branches. Well, I'm a, is this a, has a magnolia, is it in flower now, or is it a, is it a white one that's already bloomed? Uh, no, it flowered about two weeks ago. Okay, um, and then but now the, the the blossoms have turned brown, <laughs> and uh, um, you know I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen with it now. Well, really, after they finish flowering, then you've got uh, you know get them. You go ahead and prune them at this at this juncture, and if you have longer branches, just make sure you cut them off in sections. So it doesn't tear the bark off the trunk or off the you know the larger branch that they're attached to. So you sure, got you sure. got some time to do it. Okay, that sounds great. Well, thanks again for taking my call. Sure, my pleasure. And three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We have phone lines open. Let's over, head over to Daryl's yard. Hi, Daryl. Hey, Mike. Good morning. I got a question. In my grass, I have a a little dip. Water kind of sits in there just a little bit. It's not major, but it's enough. And I want to put some topsoil in there or something to. You know, is that topsoil I would use, or and would I put grass seeds in there at the same time? How would I kind of build that foundation back up to be regular? So, is there a lawn actually growing in that dip on that lower spot? Yes. So, probably what I do is I'd cut that piece of sod out. I'd add, you know, a compost topsoil. And make it a little bit higher than the surrounding ground because there's going to be a lot of air in the new material that you're putting in. And then lay the new piece of sod back down over the top of it. Over the top. Would I add any seeds? I got zoids, by the way. Would I add zoids? I know. Is that a good idea to add the seed as a well, as the top soil? Yeah, zoids' seed is kind of dysfunctional. really doesn't work here. Yeah, I heard that. So how did I get that grass in? Is it just is that... Is that what they just planted when I when I bought the house? Yeah. So okay. they put in with sod. Basically, if you want to, you know, get a new piece of sod, then you just go to your favorite garden center, and they they probably don't have sod yet because it's still brown. So the sod farms are not going to be cutting the zoysia. So you might have to wait if you want to do that. But I would just cut the piece of sod out. You know, a little bit larger than what the the small area or the low area is. Then add the you know, organic matter with topsoil compost mix. And then, like I said, put extra in so it can be a little bit higher than the surroundings. And then that way, when it settles down, it should be right at grade. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. 
what defines us is who we are as a collective group and, and uh, how we progress and gain momentum through the season. The Coach's Corner with St. Louis City Coach Bradley Carnell. Mondays at 9.35 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Yay, just a few seconds ago, saw some blue sky and actually some shadows. The sun is starting to push these stinking clouds out of the way. And it looks like they're he- really kind of headed south. I didn't know that that was the way they were actually coming from. I didn't know they were coming out of the north. Maybe they're coming out of, hmm, I can't really exactly tell. But it looks like they're coming out of the north and heading southward. So just let us have some blue sky and some sunshine. Let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hi, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Excellent. Listen, I'm a long-time listener of the show, and I appreciate what you do for us here in the St. Louis area. Question for you. I've got uh, six double knockout rose bushes in the front yard uh, that faced, um, I guess I would say, east. And uh, recently, the last couple of years, I've been getting these very spiky vines coming out of them uh, with thousands of thorns on them. I cut them back this weekend, and not this weekend, last weekend, and I noticed that they've got some holes in the center of the big, uh, I think some type of bug is eating these things. So can I save them, or should I just dig them up and plant something else? Yeah, I would say you can dig these up because they have rose rosette, and it's spread by, you know, spider mites and things like that. And once a rose is impacted by it, it's just going to, you know, slowly but surely going to have these, you know, purplish stems with all these thorns all over it. And once one has it, like I said, you know, you don't know exactly how it initially gets there, but then it can spread to all the other ones that are, you know, in that cluster or that group. So uh, if you dig them up and get rid of them, I'd probably wait for maybe one season before you plant again. In theory, you don't have to do that, but uh, just, you know, as a security thing. Or maybe you want to try something else besides the roses. Okay. That's what I thought I had to do. I was going to go ahead and dig them up and give the uh, yard a year of rest and then uh, find something else. That sounds perfect. Thank you, sir. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's see. Let's go over to Ken's. Hi, Ken. Hi, I got a couple questions. I've done the uh, core aerating now and then. I was wondering about uh, doing dethatching on a fescue lawn. Uh, you don't have to unless you, and if you rake your leaves, if you've got leaves in your yard and you do a regular leaf raking, that should be adequate. So you don't necessarily have to do a dethatching unless you start to see if you go out there with a leaf rake and just rake and see how much debris that you're raking up with, you know, just a, in a small area. If you have a huge amount of debris, then maybe go ahead and dethatch. But it's not really necessary to do it on a consistent basis. Okay. And uh, the mayor of Webster Groves is promoting this uh, no mold in April thing to help the bees. And uh, for, the you know, the clover and the violet. Right. And I... I've never known uh, clover and violet to grow over 10 inches tall. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of wondering about, you know, cutting uh, 
once your grass gets 10, 12 inches tall, it's going to be kind of hard to cut and everything. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. You can't do that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if he's promoting that, that's wonderful. But uh, if you're trying to get an, you know, a do a normal type lawn, you're not going to be able to let it get that tall. I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to turn into a disaster. I yeah, mean, that's what... you can, you can dedicate an area for, let's say, Dutch, you know, Dutch white clover, or there's a, one of the a varieties of clover that's purple. The Dutch white clover obviously is white. The owl's clover is has a purplish, and it'll get taller than the Dutch white clover. But uh, for the most part, I mean, in public areas and things like that, and parks, that would be fine to do it in that. But if you're in a regular home with a lawn, you can't do that. Okay. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. And let's see, where should we go now? Let's go over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, Tom, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, good morning. Hi. Hey, um, I have a few questions for you. So I have, I think it's a false cypress. It's a yellow bush, uh-huh. kind of wisp, wispy leaves. And I've had it in for probably eight, eight or nine years. And I want to move it because it's kind of overgrowing, and I constantly have to trim it. And so can you move those? And if so, would this be a good time? Well, to be honest with you, an 8-year-old shrub is going to be – you're going to have to have a pretty heavy-duty big root ball and everything else. So you could try it. If you're going to do it, I would do it uh, – I would probably do it probably in the, let's say, early to mid-fall and that okay. way it can go to sleep for the winter time. If you move it now, you're going to destroy basically all the feeder roots, even you, even if with a larger root ball. But the feeder roots are going to be damaged. And then when you put it to a new location, then it's facing our summertime, which can be really, I mean, harsh on uh, any evergreen, especially something that's been transplanted. Okay. Um the second question is, uh, can we start feeding the roses? Uh, it's a little premature because they're not really, the buds are just starting to come out. So I would say wait until the leaves, or leaf buds are coming out uh, at least uh, probably half inch or so. Then you can do the first feeding at that time. And then first feeding, first couple feedings, just do it half label rate. Okay. And then one last one, I, I got over aggressive on a, a, a bed and I want to put some grass into it. So do you think I should just grab a, a, a compost mix or a dirt compost Yeah, I'll probably, and then put the seed down? Yeah, I'd probably just mix in with the, it, have you had, what have you had growing in that location before? Well, I, 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 I had just tilled it out um, uh-huh. and, and, and was making the bed because I had uh, I had boxwoods in there before, and I knew they were going to grow out, so I was giving them a little bit of room. But then I moved the boxwoods out of that spot, okay. and so now I have a, an area that's just too big. Okay. So you're just trying to convert it? If you want yeah, to just- do the seed, just you're going to have to be patient because you're going to have to reseed for a couple years every May and every September, and if you want more or less instant gratification, yes, improve your soils with a compost topsoil mix, and then head to your favorite garden center and get some sod. You think, okay, um, because, yeah, I've got, 
I've got a fescue mix in here, so I'll just get some of that. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, I really, I really appreciate it. Great. Yep. And if you Thank do you. get, Enjoy your day. yeah, if you do get seed, you know, make sure you get a seed starter fertilizer. And uh, again, just like I was talking to the gentleman about moving shrubs, doing uh, you know, the seeding this time of year. And then the newly germinated grass seed is going to be facing our summer. And the fescues, they don't like it. They're a cool season lawn. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Let's put it that way. What type of seed should I put in for a, a hotter area then? Uh, I would say seed-wise, I mean, there's really only bluegrass and fescue blends. That's about the only kind of seed we have that's going to be okay. functional. Yeah, I have a fescue blend that I have in there, so but it, it doesn't look very good in the, you know, the mid summer. So right, all right, all right, Mike. Listen, really appreciate it. Look forward to your uh, your show every Saturday morning. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. All right, bye bye. Yep. Remember, folks, if you were not there, I would not be here. Let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, yeah, hey, Mike, thank you for your service, first of all. Um, what I'm wondering is I got tall fescue, and I had sod put in a couple years ago, and I'm wondering, am I too late on pre-emergent? Or am I just right, or should I wait till next week? Or? Uh, do you, you're probably okay to do it. You may, you know, there may be some things that have already been germinated that uh, the pre-emergent is not going to have any impact, but there may be some seed that hasn't germinated yet, and that's what the pre-emergent is going to go ahead and help control. So that's kind of, if you've got the product, I would say go ahead and just, you know, spread it. If you need to go get it, you could do that, but we're getting right on that cusp where uh, the seeds, you're going to have to get it down pretty quickly because the seed with this warmer weather is going to be germinating. And then once it's, you know, once it's popped out of this, let's say the seed hull, then the pre-emergent doesn't do anything. Okay. Well, what time of year would you normally put it down? I thought it was too cool too many mornings. No, it depends upon, you put it down basically the same time for yellow forsythia is in bloom. So, I mean, they're still in bloom in various areas. So that's early, let's say, you know, every year is going to be different. But let's say sometime in mid-March, that's just kind of a, a rough estimate. And then for that's for the warm season uh, weed seeds. And then for the cool season weed seeds, you put it down in mid-August. Okay. So All right. Mid-March and mid-August, okay. that's when it goes down. Well, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a good day. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have some pansies uh, and you haven't fertilized them yet, Make sure that you do fertilize them. Also fertilize any of your spring flowering bulbs, your hyacinths, your daffodils, your tulips, all those. Just go ahead and fertilize them. Best to use just half the label rate and just do it every couple weeks. So just keep doing that. And let's see, where should we go? Let's go over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. 
Hi, how are you? Good. Hey, I just have one question. We had planted a dogwood tree. This will be its third year. And the first two years, it was just loaded with blooms. And it was really pretty. Um, this year, it does not seem to have as many buds on it. Now, uh, you know, I kind of looked it up, and it said you don't necessarily need to fertilize, especially if you fertilize your lawn. So what do you think? Well, I mean, it just might be when you say there's not as many buds, that's just kind of maybe the growth process is just there and is, you know, Uh put a, a lot of its energy into, you know, growing, branching and leafing and things like that. But, uh, if it if it looks healthy and it does have buds on it, some years they're not going to be you know the same numbers as previous, and some years it may be more. Oh, okay. So it doesn't really need to be fertilized. No, not necessarily. As not you know, necessarily. like I mean, if things are being fertilized in you know close proximity, a lot of times mm-hmm. fertilizing trees really is not to the advantage. There's something called deep root feeding, which, you know, you auger holes and you backfill those holes with compost. And then Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're feeding the soil, which will feed the tree. But trying to feed the tree with just fertilizer, that's not the best thing to do. Okay. And it does look like it has a lot of leaf buds. Okay. You know, little leaves coming out. Right. Maybe it's just a little bit of an off here and not worry about it. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. As long as it looks healthy and it's going to leaf out and everything else, then I would say hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> well, that sounds good. I know we've had them before. Sometimes they do good. Sometimes they don't. Right. But we did get it from a reputable nursery, and it you know, seems healthy. So, all right. Well, I won't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you very much for your show. Sure. My pleasure. And a gentleman called about a tree service in the St. Genevieve area. Basically what I can, I, you know, you're just going to have to go to your favorite garden center and see, you know, what they, you know, who they recommend. Or you can go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see if they have some tree services that are tree service, let's say, further south in Jefferson County or something that uh, they have in their system so that's the best thing you can do. For me, just to name one, I can't really do that. Let's go now to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. Uh, what's the best fertilizer to use for Vinca, the ground cover? Uh, like periwinkle, Vinca? Yes. Is I mean, like 12, 12, 12, okay? Or? No, don't use that. That's, you know, that was formulated basically for agricultural circumstances, so since, you know, the periwinkle is an evergreen ground cover, I'd say get a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. So that would be the best thing. And the numbers are going to be fairly, it's going to be much lower numbers. And the okay. active, you know, active ingredient is going to have sulfur and it's going to have, you know, iron with it. And that's going to help the periwinkle just in general. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. And let's see, where should we go now? Let's go to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I had a question about, I have, uh, I think they call them Thuja Green Giants, and this is their second year we've had them. Right. Um, At the end of the summer last year, they kind of got caught dry, and I really had to water them to get them to come back. Um, Is there any type of fertilizer or anything I would do for this year? Uh, basically, again, fertilizing individual you know trees like that is not to the advantage. 
But, uh, you know, just making sure that you don't let them go through any kind of drought stress and making sure that the area they're growing in is, you know, has iron and has sulfur so you can get iron sulfate and just put, you know, sprinkle that around at the base of each one, not necessarily right next to the trunk, but, you know, kind of out where the root ball is. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yeah, and the Green Giants, uh, you know, I mean, they they can be really outrageous as far as, you know, how much they grow and everything else. But getting them well-established so they can grow, that's what's really important. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And let's see. Marvin, can you do it kind of quick? Uh, yeah, I've got some boxwood, yew, and bird nest pine that need some uh, pruning. Could you tell me the best time to do that? Well, going into summertime is not the best time to do it, but coming out of summertime would be ideal. So if you can hold off and just do it uh, in September so they can kind of go and you know, into the wintertime. Your boxwood's probably flowering right now, which we don't really grow boxwood for flowers. You can go ahead and prune them if you're, if you're desperate, but uh, it's not the, you know, the most ideal time. I see. Okay, well, thank you for your time. Sure, my pleasure. And Karen, can you do it in 30 seconds? Uh, yes, I have two questions, Mike. Uh, I planted a juga, which under a, a large uh, maple tree. Uh, it's about three years old. It got trampled when we had it um, uh, trimmed, the tree. Do you think it's going to come back? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KM Walsh Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Other things that we need to be thinking about, if you do move your house plants outside, just remember when you first move them outside, don't, even if they were in a sunny window outside, don't put them in direct sun because they will sunburn. So just be careful and cautious about that. Other things that you need to be very conscious of is just start watching, you know, for, let's say, nasty insects because they're going to start showing up. They were kind of out when it was a little bit warmer and then the cooler weather kind of sent them back into more or less hibernation, but they're still going to be there. So nice thing, too, with birds, birds really help with insect control. That's a very nice thing. And I'm going to repeat that if you have pansies or toad flax or things like that, spring flowering annuals, second week they're in, you should be fertilizing them. And then about every two to three weeks after that, that's the best thing you can possibly do for the plant materials. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Uh, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We'll be back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott. And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which means a tip of the trowel, a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Right now, though, if you've got any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether those plants are inside or outside, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, and we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me onto your show, where discussions range from making a plant selection for a specific location, how to care for it, talking about what should be done during peak seasons or the times when things are not maybe peaking out, annuals, spring or summer bulbs, herbs, vegetables, fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous ground covers, evergreen ground covers, perennials, cascading house plants, or those upright mother-in-law tongs. Ah, those scary. Anyway, cool season, warm season lawns, shrubs, Roses, bushes, all kinds of different things. Anyway, you can just uh, remember that I will talk to you and share my experiences, but my answers, comments, and opinions are not the only garden path that can take you to success, just strictly offered for you to consider. And uh, as always, a very important player in the game is James. He answers the phone, produces a show, pushes all the buttons, and everything else. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do a walk and talk, which is a landscape consultation. I answer the questions you have and then keep my eyes open for things that maybe you haven't considered that could be impacting your landscape. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And today's tip of the trowel is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. On Barrett Station, the National Museum of Transportation, they have some great gardens there and various types of gardens. And also they have trains running through those gardens. What could be cooler than that? So... When the weather is nice outside, you want to go and, 
yes, you're going to do, you know, experience a whole transportation museum thing, but why not enjoy the gardens? And so a tip of the trial goes out to the folks there for putting that aspect into their location. So that's something a little bit unusual. So uh, pollinators, you know, pollinator beds and gardens and everything else, plus other types as well. So, again, if you do have questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Sandy's yard. Hi, Sandy. Morning, Mike. Love the show. I can't. Uh, just can't. I can't hear Love you. Love the show. Oh, oh. I said... Good morning, Mike. I love the show. Well, thank you. Um, just a, a couple of things. Um, your advice on the Irish Spring to help deter the deer around my hosta is wonderful. Oh, really? I buy, yes. Great. I buy an eight-pack every year, and it, it works wonders. Uh, next thing, um, what do I fertilize my pansies and daffodils with? Just a miracle Grow? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, okay. And then last fall, I planted about 150 daffodils. Most of them came up. They're about 12, 14 inches tall. But um, three clumps are just barely at the soil level. Should I give up on them or or dig them up uh, with a a big uh, root ball and transplant? Uh, probably now, are they all under the same exposure because they may be in a situation where the soil is cooler, and so consequently they may be a little bit later than some of the other ones okay, that could be, so I'll just let those go right, just leave them alone, so as long as the foliage okay. is coming up uh that means you know and it could be are they all the same variety because there are different varieties of daffodils, some bloom a little bit later than others, as well as you know, the impact of just Mother Nature, the environment, the exposure, and things like that. Gotcha, gotcha. And last thing, my hosta still are not showing any signs of green. Nor are mine. Okay. So it's it's a little bit early. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, one lady uh, last week said that she had some sprouts, so I was getting worried. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, again, it's exposure. It's all kinds of, it's variety-wise and with all the plant material. So that really has a real huge impact on when you can expect the growth, when you can expect flowering and everything else. All right. Okay. Th- thank you. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go over to Bunny's yard. Hi, Bunny. Yes, Mike. Um my peonies are starting to pick up, and I have a problem every year. I want to cut them and bring them in, and it's full of ants. Is there anything I can use to get rid of those ants before they even start? <laughs> well, they're coming up there because they're trying to get the, actually some nice food off the peony buds. So consequently, there's not really you know, too much you can do as far as like getting rid of the ants ahead of time. Best thing to do is just kind of, you know, wash them off when you're, uh, after you cut them, wash them off really well so you don't bring them inside with you. I know. I've tried that. It's just, they're unbelievable. When I lived in the city, I had peonies and I had no problem. Now I'm in the county and I get, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You better move back to the city. That's all I can say. I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Those are advantages. (laughs) Right. And I wanted to ask you about when you're, 
planting new things, you use potting soil or potting mix? Well, if it's outside, I don't use, uh, you know, in pots, I use potting soil. No, okay. I use potting mix, to be honest with you. you I don't use, use potting. potting. Potting soil is too heavy, too dense. Potting mix is much lighter, and I have much better luck growing things in pots in potting mix. Okay, great. So I use potting mix. Right. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, and now let's go to Sue Marie's. Hi, Sue Marie. Hi. Hi. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, shout out to Shaw Nature Reserve. They're having a walk today, and I'm sick, so I can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> darn it. Darn it. But um, I live in that part of the county, and St. Louis County, and um, have been here about 20 years, and I live in a garden, a perimeter garden on a bluff, which means it has a poured backyard and concrete and and my garden depths range from two foot to six foot so it's very challenging and I guess my question today is um, I have a beautiful uh, plum tree and it's established maybe four years now beautiful plum beautiful blossoms Um, but the the uh, uh, the blossoms are just like pulled down by the squirrels. I don't don't have too many trees, but a lot of squirrels, and they just, like, have a feast, and they strip all those vines. So I'm thinking, okay, my dad used to use some kind of netting, So, but those leaves, those branches are kind of uh, twiny, you know? Right. And I was wondering, and then also, not, not only that situation, but the ground is sunken, so I heard the early gentleman that you're talking to that to take up the grass and to... Uh, put put some St. Louis compost, which I always use in all my gardens. And um, so to build that up, you know, but then I got the tree that's going to be lower than what you recommend as far as keeping it above, you know, the ground level. Right. So, you know, I, I'm in a dilemma, but it's a beautiful tree. I, if What you have to do, you know, basically, if you like the tree a lot, then I would say just leave everything else as it is. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Let it rule. Let it roll. And then what about the netting? I can't use plastic. They'll probably eat their way through that. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a you know aggressive squirrel circumstance, there's really not too much you can do. Okay. It's like the deer and everything else, so it's okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had, other, I had one other question, too. Um, if I pull out uh, a burning bush, I have a couple of them, you know, and it's been there for like, you know, 15 years. It's had its day, right? Because they don't last that long typically, right? Well, I mean, they can keep going and going and going. Well, the deal is I can't really grow ground cover under it. Um, uh, so I want some color, you know, and um, and I also have the grass issue with, uh, I don't know, the moles are underneath it because I was digging and I heard a screech. And I don't know if it's a mole or the other critter that's associated with the mole. Uh, but I have that issue. So, <laughs> so- so uh, what are you asking? Should you get rid of the burning bush? Is that what you're asking? No. Once I get rid of the burning bush and um, I've cut down my grass because I'm thinking all that dead material maybe is attracting the moles. Well, um, moles, uh, uh, no, moles are after earthworms. That's what they're going for. That's their main diet. That's what they eat. They only eat bugs. They don't eat anything related to plant material at all. But I need my earthworms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, 
I mean, uh, trapping the moles, that's you know one of your options or just kind of let Mother Nature have its way. And, I mean, you can fight all this stuff if you want. Right. Okay. But as far as the other parts of the garden where the bush, the burning bushes are, if I cut them down, do I have to wait a couple of seasons to grow more succulents, you think? Well, basically what you should do is get the entire root system up out of the ground, not just cut them off. Okay. Gotcha. And then just, you know, once you get it dug up, then you can decide what you want to try to grow, whether you want something to you know, more colorful, some summer bloomer, crepe myrtle, or you want something spring blooming like a lilac or whatever you happen to choose. Gotcha. Okay. It's been enjoyable. Well, great. Well, thank you. Mike Miller. Yep. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The voice of St. Louis. News that matters to you. KMOX. Just remember, if you're going to be adding anything to the ground around plant material, like woody plants and things like that, pull the mulch back and then put the amendment that you're adding, whether it's iron sulfate or whatever it happens to be, and then push the mulch back. It gives it, you know, because if you put it on top of the mulch, ultimately it will end up in the soil, but it could take a while because that mulch hasn't milted down before it comes in contact with the soil. Even if you water it and everything else, just pull it back, and that way you're going to get a better impact of what you're putting uh, onto the soil. Let's head over to Ed's yard. Hi, Ed. Hi, Mike. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Um, I got a problem with uh, uh, three oh, uh, maple trees. I'm sorry. Three maple trees that have grown together, and these things are... Oh, probably 30 years old. But in the center, it's formed a little hole or a pocket there where the water and everything seems to be accumulating. Right. And, uh, yeah, and I'm wondering what can I do to keep that water out of there because it does seem to be affecting the trees. And and I also have one of them that's got where the bark is starting to come off the tree closer to the ground. And I'm wondering, is that all related or or what? Well, it, it could be, but there's really not too much you can do as far as, you oh, know, boy. I mean, this is in uh-huh. what you're going to end up with, with, with the water sitting there and getting down inside is go, it's right. going to be heartwood rot. And it's just going to yeah. lead to a slow decline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's not, I mean, so, days of old people put cement and stuff down and that, that doesn't really work. Yeah. It doesn't help at all. Oh, okay. That's that. I I heard about that, and that's that's what I was wondering. Yeah, no, that's uh, something that's uh, never worked and just caused more trouble than it did good. <laughs> okay, so it'd be best just to think about getting rid of those things. Yeah, I mean, you can as long as they're still functional aesthetically and everything else, just leave them. But once they start, you know, heading downhill, then yeah. uh, uh-huh. they should just uh-huh. be removed. Yes, sir. I appreciate that very much. Sure. What's that? Oh, I, I asked him about the bark. Oh. Yeah, the wife says, ask about the bark, and yeah. I said I did. Yeah, <laughs> it's all sort of all uh, yeah. kind of related to a little bit of downhill spin. Yes, I appreciate Thank you for your show, and take care of yourself. Sure, you do the same. And let's go over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hey, Mike. Thanks for your show. I have a question concerning my rose bush. About a month ago, I trimmed them back. Some of them I trimmed back to uh, about 12 inches from the ground. 
And the larger one, I left it about 24 inches. The others are greening up real nice, but this brown, this one's the larger one is still kind of brown. Should I cut it back more? No. <laughs> okay. Just leave it alone. It's greening up at the base, but uh, nothing's budding out on the stalks yet. Yeah. Once is you know. If uh, it, by the time we get around to, let's say, Memorial Day, the end of May or something like that, if these stems that uh, are not leafing out whatsoever, then go ahead and cut them back. Okay. And then in the future, don't cut them back quite that severe. Yeah, I've always read, uh, you know, 12 inches from the ground. Maybe that is extreme. Yeah, uh, it depends upon the variety. I mean, the shrub types versus the hybrids and grandiflores. So roses can't be just sort of like put together in one group and say prune them all the same way because they all, you know, have different, some are grafted, some are not, some are this, some are that. So it's, uh, you can't just treat them all the same. Okay. All right. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see how it goes. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you very much for your show. Sure. Appreciate it. My pleasure. And now let's see what's going on in Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hi there. Um, hey, I've got a small pasture, large yard, only about a half acre that I'm reseeding. It's been overgrazed, and it's just kind of dirt now. And so I'm going to reseed it this spring. I was wondering the best fertilizer to put on that with new seed. A seed starter fertilizer. And okay, just, what's the, a seed starter fertilizer? What's, is that a 10-10-10? No, no, what no. no. Just, it'll say seed starter on the bag. Okay, so, is there any brand name or uh, not necessarily? Whatever your favorite garden center carries, they will have that. And just understand that you know seeding this time of year is not the ideal time. Fall is by right. far the best. So just plan on going ahead and doing the seeding now, but don't, then plan on doing some seeding in uh, mid to late August, early September. Okay. Um, do I put the fertilizer down right with the seed, with the grass seed? Yeah, you can do that. Okay. And then I've got one more question, uh, if, if I can go real quick. I've got uh, several apple trees, and I've had uh, varying success in, in keeping the bugs out of the trees. I spray them, and uh, just some, some years it goes well, some it doesn't. What's the, what's the best way to control that? It uh, depends upon what kind of bugs that you're having. Yeah, uh, I don't know. They just get in the apples and just make the apples, you know, rotten, basically. Oh, oh. so, well, you know, until you can find out exactly what it is. But probably what I would do is in the wintertime, just as we're coming out of winter, let's say sometime around uh, Valentine's Day or a little bit prior to that, uh, spray a dormant oil on the. Okay. And that way that will help suffocate any of the bugs that are on there. And spray, I mean, spray all the branches and everything else, and you're doing it before that, uh, you know, that that they're emerging. Then later on, you might consider, as the fruit is starting to set, use a summer weight hortic- or dorm- a horticultural oil. And that okay. way, that will help keep things under control. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Sure. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden. It's been a- After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Hotline, we have phone lines open 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. It's the Cardinal season home opener Thursday, March 30th. Don't miss the biggest celebration in town. Kegs and Eggs, presented by Budweiser. Tickets are on sale now and will go fast. Food, drink, music, and fun. Kegs and Eggs. Get your tickets now. Details at kingofox.com slash events. Rock on. Those clouds keep coming back. Son, please push those clouds out of the way. Hi, Kathy. How are you today? Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I need a little advice. I want to transplant a fig tree. Um, There have been two that have grown somewhat close to each other. They're both about the size of a good-sized trash can, and I would like to transplant that. Give me some tips. Now, are these Uh, hardy figs or are these a tropical houseplant-type fig trees? Well, they've been outside in the Missouri climate for about three years. Okay, so that's a hardy variety. So I don't understand why you why you need to move them around. Well, they're currently in a raised garden. Okay. And I want to move them to my yard. Oh. Well, if you're going to do that, I'd probably wait till fall. Okay. Is there any danger? There seems to be uh, a lot of root root ball to them. Right. Um, do I have any dangers about how much I cut off? Try to be oh, definitely. As as you want to get the root. You want to get as many roots as you possibly can, have the location ready where you're going to move them to. And you want to have the whole three times the diameter of the existing root ball, but only 80% is deep. So in other words, the top of the root ball is going to be above the surrounding ground. But uh, Got there's a couple of hardy fig trees growing in my neighborhood that I kind of walk by on a, you know, infrequent or frequent basis, depending upon whichever direction the wind blows me. But, uh, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch them grow. Oh, they're gorgeous. Yes. They're gorgeous plants. Really neat. I hope I can be successful to save them. I um, really love them. And a fresh fig, you can't beat it. I agree. <laughs> Okay, I'll give it a try this fall. Thank you very much for your advice. I appreciate it. And again, with transplanting any kind of woody plant material, fall is by far the best because then they, after you move them, they get to go to sleep for wintertime. So that's why you want to do it then as opposed to moving them now. Then they're facing our who knows what the summer is going to be like. could be too hot. Very good. Okay, appreciate your advice. Thank you. Sure. And now let's head over to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Hi. Um, I have a crepe myrtle or two, and I was in Texas last week, and I saw they were really cut back. And Is this something I should do? No, not necessarily. That's a, a, it could be a completely different, let's say, variety than what we have growing here. It may be the same, but no, don't do that because their growing season is a lot longer. And, you, I mean, you can cut them back severely, but recovery time, it may take two or three years before before you're going to get any kind of substantial amount of flowering. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so just kind of leave them alone. Do some, you know, do some minor pruning 
Uh, too many people like to prune too much sometimes, it seems like. Anyway, thanks, Mark. And let's see now where. Joseph, how are you today? Fine, Mike. Glad your show's on. Uh, what's your opinion on cow manure as far as putting in gardens and around the uh, the property? Uh, basically, if it's been composted, fine. If it's just cow manure, you know, that hasn't been composted, I would say, yeah. Too many weed seeds and things like that. Even though they have multiple stomachs and it should kill most of the weed seeds, it's just not any kind of organic matter that hasn't been composted really is not to the advantage of the plant material that you're using it around. Okay. Okay. How about uh, zoysia grass? I have a few spots around the yard that are just kind of blighted. Can I transplant and put it uh, put in a green uh, put in a fresh zoysia in that area? Would that help out? What do you uh, think? Well, it all depends on what's causing the problem. Do you have uh, do you have dogs? No. Okay. So you just it, or is it a low spot or something like that? No, I mean, just no, to, just uh, go ahead. Oh, I mean, just to sort of like if you've got spots that are having some real problems, before I put in some new sod, I'd improve the soil. So in other words, okay. get a you know get some compost, pull the you know the dead stuff up, go a couple inches beyond the dead area, improve that area with compost before you put the new sod down. Good idea. Thank you kindly. Yep. Peace be with you. Sure. Well, same to you. And now let's go and see what's going on with Tom. Hi, Tom. Hey, Tom. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Is this a good time of the year to prune grapes? Ah, uh, you're you're really kind of getting almost to a little bit late. So I would have done it a little bit, you know, sooner than this. But uh, it's you know it's going to be a little bit iffy if you do because it could throw the whole flowering slash fruit set. Have you had the grapes for a while? Uh, yes. So and, and you've not historically pruned them. No, not really. So no. I would say them, you know, I would just leave them alone. Okay. As long as you've had good production out of them and you've been happy with them, so you're not growing grapes like, uh, you know, a vineyard that's, uh, you know, going to make wine out of them or, you know, someplace that's going to sell the grapes, I'd say leave them alone. Within the fall of the year, be a good time to prune? Yeah, that, that's going to be better. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Going into wintertime. And then that way, when the weather starts warming up, the new growth is going to surge, and that's going to be in the spring. So let's see. Where should we go now? How about Gene's yard? Hi, Gene. Hi. I have three boysenberry bushes. This is the third year for them, the spring of this year, third year. Can I expect them to bloom and bury and bear berries this year? How small were they when you put them in? Uh, they were bare rooted. This is the fourth. I bear. I put them in in the fall. That'll uh, be the fourth year. This will be the third spring. Yeah, this uh, it still may take another couple years. So mm-hmm. when you're dr- growing something from bare root, that's pretty small, and uh, just kind of just leave them alone. Don't do any pruning at all, and just kind of it's kind of just watch them and see what happens. I okay, you, you yeah. may you may get some fruit, but you're not going to get much. Okay, probably another year or two. You're saying exactly. Okay, thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean any kind of you know 
let's say, fruit-bearing thing that is grown from a bare root plant is going to takes multiple years. Like some of the, uh, let's say, apple, peach trees, those type things, you're probably looking at seven or eight years on those things. The boysenberry is smaller, so that's going to be a little bit of difference, but uh, still, it's going to be a while. And now let's go over to George's yard. Hi, George. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I've got a couple of questions. Um, I was going to get a service berry this spring, service berry tree. Mm-hmm. Could you grow that in a container on like a deck for a few years while it gets established? Yeah, sure. I mean, just realize it. probably I wouldn't get any container smaller than a five-gallon bucket or five-gallon mm-hmm. pot. Okay, that would make it through the winter with no problems? Well, I mean, there there could be. It's not the ideal circumstance to do it that way. But uh, generally, they, you know, I mean, things can do pretty well in containers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And another question is I've got some uh, broadleaf weeds around the base of a maple tree. Can you use Weeby Gone on that? Oh, yeah. Without hurting the tree? Yep. Okay. Last question is, um, looking for some iris tubers, iris tubers. Do you know when they go on sale and about where in around St. Charles that would have them for sale? And uh, around St. Charles? No, I mean, I can't think of any of the nurseries that are out that direction, but they should. I mean, the tubers should be, uh, I mean, there should be some available now and there should be some available for the fall, too. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I've never seen them like in the big box stores or um, any of the nurseries. I don't know where you'd be able to find them. Yeah, maybe just go online and you know check it out and see who would have them locally. Yeah, those uh, overseas, uh, the Holland places and stuff like that. The, they're real expensive. Yeah, you don't need to go that far away. Yeah. I mean, it's Iris Tuber, T-U-B-E-R. Right, yeah. Yeah, I was looking for some purple to put in with the white that I have, and ah. I can't find them. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. surprising. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yep, my pleasure. And let's see. Why don't we go to Martha's yard? Hi, Martha. Hi. Uh, I wanted to help out the lady with the peonies and the ants. Uh-huh. If you pick the flowers when they're just starting to open... And then take them in and put them in water. They'll open up the rest of the way, and you won't have the ants. Ah, all right. Well, thanks for the insight. You're very welcome. Enjoy your show. Well, thank you, and thanks for helping out. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And off to Wendy's yard. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Hi. Um, Have you or have you known anyone that successfully kept portalucas all year, like brought them in and then? Uh, That's kind of iffy. Probably, if you want yeah. to, if you want to give it a try, I'd go and check out the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see what they say. All right, thanks, Mike. Yep. So it's mobot.org, O-R-G. Oh, thank you very much. Yep. And now let's see, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Um, so I was calling because a couple callers ago asked about his boysenberries. 
And um, you said it should take a few years. However, boysenberries are of the rubus species, uh, which are related to blackberries, raspberries, and others. And those flower and fruit on their second-year-old canes. So if he's had them for three years, he should have gotten something already. And it sounds like there's a bigger problem than just not old enough. Well, I guess, you know, that could be the case. But uh, with these being bare root, I just didn't think they, you know, probably had a well enough established root system to be, you know, flowering and fruiting that soon. Yeah, I've planted bare root blackberries in my yard, and I've got blackberry bushes that are 12 feet tall now after four years. Whoa. And last year they got to 12 feet tall after three. So <laughs> uh, it they really should be getting something and fruiting, and this year should be their okay, first great. bumper crop. Well, thanks Our for last the insight. Year, I guess should have been their first bumper crop. So there may be something wrong with the soil or something like that. Yeah, that's true. But kind of way you described it, it seems you know like they were healthy. They just weren't doing any kind of production as far as uh, flowering slash fruit. Okay. Well. He, he, he should probably get a soil test or something if he's still listening. Oh, that's probably a good idea. Soil testing, I always recommend that for anything. So thanks, Brandon. And now let's go over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, thanks for your show. We have good uh, enjoy it. Uh, I get this magazine up from Deerberg's Vestibule called Gateway Gardener, and they said some of the new plants for 2023, one was a Magnolia Genie. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, not necessarily. Okay, supposedly it's been hybridized for like 15 years or something. I just wanted to know what your opinion was, if you had any experience. It's, they say it's new for 2023. So. Yeah, so if if it's new for this year, you know, do you know, I guess you I mean, without knowing the genus or species or anything else, Varieties of magnolia, there are certain varieties of magnolia that blooms in the springtime. The majority of them do bloom in the, or bloom in the summertime. There's fewer varieties that bloom in the summer versus the ones that bloom in the spring. Yeah, well, this says if it's well watered, it can re-bloom up until the summer. Hmm. That's why I was kind of interested in it. Uh, <clears throat> I've got a, a Bracken's Brown Beauty magnolia, and I really love that tree. And I just Oh, yeah, it. that is a good one. Yeah. Hey, one other thing. I had a, a, a plant that showed up in one of my gardens and cut some off and took it around the Botanical uh, Missouri Extension Center and stuff, and they seem to think it's an elderberry. Do you know anything about that? Well, elderberries, I mean, they there is a native variety of that. So, I mean, it could be the birds eating an elderberry someplace and then coming into your yard, going to the bathroom, and then sort of more or less planting the seed. Do they fruit or flower or anything? Yeah. Oh, do they? Oh, okay. Well, I, I just came about it last year, and I uh, cut, took cuttings and took them several different places. Most people were just on, uh, not knowing what they were. I guess they're a native tree or bush, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for your info, and have a great day. Sure, you do the same. And now let's see what's going on in Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hi, um, I have um, I had a I have a sugar pine tree that I uh, pruned back too far at uh, the end of the fall, and it almost died. So this at now it's 
still have like a lot of brown on it and was wondering if I could do anything to save it. Um, not too much. The best thing you can do is just leave it alone and see if it can recover on its own. Okay, so I don't need to put fertilizer or No, something? no, definitely. Anything that's not feeling well, it's just like when you or people or your pets or anything, you're not feeling well. I mean, eating is not the best thing to do. Okay, so it's kind of thinned out. I pruned it back too far, okay. and it's not feeling. It, it was about four years old, and I pruned it back too far, and it's not filling out. Yeah. It may not, but uh, just kind of oh. leave it alone and see what happens. See if aesthetically it's still going to give you what you're hoping for. Okay, but don't fertilize it. No, don't. Oh, all right. Thank you. Yep. And uh, let's, let's see what's going on with Jim. Hi, Jim. Hey, hi. Um, I um, was able to build a real nice retaining wall up against the foundation in my backyard. And so that was last year. So this year I get to plant something in it. So. I was thinking about some taller flowers, like hollyhocks. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about hollyhocks. Um, I, as far as uh, how much sun it gets back there, it, um, I get the afternoon into the evening sun. So how about hour-wise? So like multiple hours? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, afternoon, it gets sun to the rest of the day. Yeah, the hollyhocks... You know, basically what they really want to have is they don't want to go through any kind of drought stress. And also being, you know, with your foundation being right there, the soil is going to have a a tendency over time to get a little bit alkaline. So watch out for that because I'm not exactly sure what type of pH the hollyhocks like, but I don't think they want an alkaline soil. So in other words, pH above 7. So just be careful of that. Jesus, man, that, that that's great. <laughs> I hadn't thought anything about it. I figured I'd give you a call, you know, and see what you had to say about it. So um, how about as far as them, uh, uh, their perennial status? Can you talk to me about well, how that works? Yeah, they're, t- they're tough and durable. They go on and on and on. Okay. I mean, I've read just a little bit about how it might be uh, biannual and not every year you'll see them. But so, – a little curious about what they were talking about. Yeah, I mean that might be the you know the case, but for the most part, you know, they, I guess they could be that way, but I don't think that generally that is the case with them. Oh, that's great! I'm looking forward to it. All right. Anyway, uh, thanks for the show. Appreciate sure. it. My pleasure. Thanks, and what you might mix in there too, if you want to add something in there, maybe look at some of the sunflower family, like a black-eyed Susans. That'll give you some height and some color too. I was actually looking at some cannas, which I thought might be nice in there, too. Yeah, the cannas, yeah. I mean, basically you got to – generally you should dig those up every year. So if you don't mind doing that. No, it will be – no. I'm okay. getting older. I, I got a little more time. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. All, All right. right. Thanks, thanks, Jim. For, thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Yep. And Cindy and Jenny, we're not going to have time to get you. But uh, the sun is still pushing, and now we got uh, shadows and everything else. And blue skies, I can't wait. Since I'm solar-powered, it's really rough when we get this clouds for oh, so long. My energy's going down. I, I'm sinking. See you next week. Have fun and enjoy the sun. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 